HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Welcome, everybody. This is the second Feast Your Ears of 2018. I uh, pre-recorded last week's episode back in 2017, so this is my first day back in the studio. And we're having a nice sunny day here in Brooklyn. It's a little bit warm, I think, for the season. It was in the 40s today. Pretty nice. So today's episode number 94 of Feast Your Ears. Coming up on 100, we'll have some kind of celebration in March. Uh, Today, joining me by phone, I have Adam Cantor, and Adam is a Broadway actor and also founder of Story Course, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today, Adam. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here. So let's jump right into uh, into Story Course. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, as I understand it, Story Course is a immersive kind of interactive dining experience where the diners take part in the storytelling um, of a sort of uh, of the story of the chef. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I got together with a guy named Brian Bordanik, who was the head of a company called Dinner Lab, and. Um, I'm from the theater world. I'm in a show right now called The Band's Visit. In fact, I'm backstage right now. We we have our matinee in an hour. Uh, and I've always been a, a foodie and, and also very interested in how food can play a part in uh, storytelling. And, you know, on Broadway we deal with lights and costume and text and music, uh, but food taste is never really incorporated into the picture. So my question was how can we combine these worlds of theatricality and culinary arts to create an experience that is really unique and that takes the um, audience member on a real journey through food. And 
Brian and I were dealing with different concepts. We first were adapting the uh, Salvador Dali cookbook, Medina de Gala, into a sort of immersive experience. Oh, neat. Did that ever and then the, come to fruition? Sorry? Did that ever come to fruition? Did, did you create an we immersive did a experience workshop. Um, we did a We did sort of a private workshop of it where I gathered creatives from the Broadway industry, and Brian gathered folks from... Um, from his dinner lab days, and we sort of just put heads together and came up with these wild concepts. And it's all exciting, and it's it's still kind of in the works. But shortly after we did that workshop, we produced an immersive Passover Seder, hmm. where we sort of built this, like, Bedouin tent in Midtown, and we had uh, one of Brian's chefs, uh, uh, Nini, a Vietnamese chef, uh, who she cooked this, like, amazing Passover Seder. It was her first oh, wow. time cooking uh, <laughs> any kind of, like, Jewish meal. But she did an amazing job, and we had, you know, um, some Broadway stars and playwrights and musicians and spoken word artists, uh, shadow puppet uh, artists. We had Ari Shapiro from NPR. We had all the sort of a hodgepodge of creative types um, creating this immersive Seder and telling this story of Exodus which is told every year on Passover, telling it through food and performance turned out to be really powerful today in New York City. Yeah. So we, we rethought how we want to move forward, and we thought, okay, we're in a city teeming with immigrant chefs, and we're essentially consuming stories on a daily basis without necessarily fully grasping in an emotional way or really in a, in a storytelling way what's behind this food that we're consuming. Um, there are so many rich stories which would make the food, you know, even more uh, rich in terms of the experience behind eating it. Um, so we thought, why don't we, why don't we talk to some chefs? We started with Brian's chefs from Dinner Lab, and try to find a, a story that we can tell through a coursed meal. Um, so we landed on um, Jay Jung, who is cooking at La Bernadette right now. And we spent many hours interviewing her and really uh, getting a sense of her story of migration from Seoul, Korea to New York City and her relationship with her mother along the way. And <laughs> it's funny, I had recently finished doing Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway, which is really a story about the balance of tradition and modernity and how do you maintain a sense of your roots yeah. while moving forward, um, especially when you're forced to leave your home. So... That, in many ways, became um, it became clear that, that that is so many people's narrative, including Jay's. Uh, it was a, really about her relationship with her mother and how, maintaining her sense of home while leaving. So we, we interviewed her for many hours, and we transcribed those interviews and collaborated with a Korean playwright named Hansel Jung to really pare down Jay's story into what became six delicious courses, and each course pairs with a chapter. Um, and the, the, the stories themselves are told in an, in an interactive way. In other words, the audience is um, handed scripts. Of course, if anyone does not want to read, they don't have to. It's sure. kind of like a Passover Seder in that way. Right. It's kind when of you... have like the, the Haggadah yeah, of yep. Jay. 
That's um, a, that's great. I mean, when you and I first met, that was the and you described story course to me. That was the first thing I thought of. I mean, for for listeners who grew up Jewish, it's a you know that's a real touch point. I'm sure. Um, for those of yeah. you who who didn't, if you've been to a seder, I'm sure you understand that you know you go around the table and each person, if if they don't want to read, they can be skipped. But pretty much each person at the table is expected to read and retell part of a story. That as you get older and you've been to a seder every year, you know I've now been to like almost I've been to forty of them. You know, uh, there's, you know, at least, uh, you know, the, you know the story, right? Like it's like it's sort of like going to see uh, Shakespeare or a Broadway play if you're in if you're in that world and you already know the story, but you go anyway and you know what's going right. to happen next, but you you know you still retell the story. Right, and I think what's what's exciting about that, I mean Passover seders can be like notoriously boring, yes. right? Like it, it, it can be filled <laughs> with dread of like oh I got to sit through this long seder experience. Um, and part of our goal in doing that Seder was to kind of reinvent it and, and, and modernize it and make it really fun um, and delicious and unique. And I think we've brought a lot of that spirit into story course, into Jay's story. The, the stories themselves, first of all, are pretty short, and they're really fun and interactive in a way that, like, you know, we have some awesome Broadway pros who put their hands on it and made it something that is really user-friendly um, and you don't have to be like an orator or, or a performer to really uh, to just be able to speak these words. And there's there's you know there are group moments, and then there's also some performance. There's there's actual there's a moment there, there's you know there are unique elements where the audience can kind of just sit back and and not partake and just enjoy the sort of the more traditional kind of performance. Um, but we found that it's really the audience becomes really invested in the story. They kind of take it on, and um, there's something interesting that happens. We didn't want to make it just you know actors around a table and everyone just kind of sits passively. We wanted the audience to really be active in the story, and it does something when you are putting your mouth around these words and then putting the food in your mouth. There's yep. something that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, there's How a many, level of uh... investment that's. That's beyond what I've experienced in in a Broadway theater. Yeah, I mean, you're asking someone to come to a to a dinner, right? I mean, I feel like certainly uh, Dinner Lab did a great job of expanding the idea of people coming together to have dinner and to learn about different cuisines. Um, and this is such a natural extension of that. How many people generally attend a Story Course event? How many seats are there at the table? So our next iteration is in February. We have uh, eight. Uh, eight evenings that are um, on sale. We have a few that are, have already sold out. But uh, each evening fits about 30 people. So it's pretty intimate. And we're all around one long table. Um, and there's there's a cocktail hour. There is, we have um, cocktails designed by Dave Arnold and Don Lee. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, we have wine pairings and um, six courses, 30 people. It's about a two-hour experience. Um, and it's really delicious. And where can people find uh, where can people find tickets? You can go to www.storycoursenyc.com, so. and there's a link for tickets and a, and a section about this uh, this dinner, which is called "How Do You Hug a Tiger." Um, that that's our sort of the title of this show. Cool. And and yeah, I mean, you know, I, you, you've called it a you called it a show. We've called it dinner. We've called it an evening. Um, I guess it sort of falls, you know, it, it falls in between all of those things, and it, and it encompasses all of those things, right? 
Definitely. Um, it's, it's a real hybrid experience. It's, it's unique. I, don't, I, I haven't experienced anything like it. I'm hoping that this is unique for most people. We did, we did a week of it uh, last summer at the International Culinary Center, and, you know, we had some, we had some really exciting people came through. Uh, Brian Cranston, the actor from Breaking Bad, amongst mm-hmm. many other things, uh, came through, and he loved it. And we had a lot of Broadway people and, food and you know, culinary people. It was, it was pretty close to um, friends and friends of friends. Uh, but this is our first time we're really getting the word out there. Um, so, you know, it was a big success last summer. I'm really excited to see how it plays with... Um, you know, with an extended network of, of audience members. I think it's, I think the concept and the format is relatively well honed um, so that you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be in the food or Broadway world to really appreciate it. Right. And do you think, I mean, you know, sort of playing this out, uh, I mean, as someone, I used to work in theater, I used to be a designer, so I spent lots of time in, you know, uh, around plays and musicals oh, cool. and tech, re- tech rehearsals and all that. Um, uh-huh. You know, do you think that, that this is something where, um, you know, how, how do you hug a tiger, you know, might only play these eight nights, let's say, and then in two years you might do it again? I think the goal is to to build these scripts and to build these formats with different chefs and then eventually have a home of our own where we can sort of be rotating, kind of like a repertory theater company. Very you cool. know, uh, a few nights a week is How Do You Hug a Tiger. A few nights a week might be our next, uh, our next experience, and we're actually developing uh, an, our next story course experience with, um, with an Iranian chef who's, who has this, you know, amazing tale of, uh, migrate his parents migrating during uh, after the fall of the Shah and mm. uh, being apart for many many years and finding each other again uh, in North America. So very kind of different cuisines, different uh, different kinds of stories and different modes of storytelling. I think so. Hopefully, people can come one night, experience one meal and one uh, kind of show, and come another night and experience something totally different. Very very cool. Uh, and but I'm- I do think. Um, as to whether or not there will be more life for How Do You Hug a Tiger, I don't know. I think, I, I, I think it's strong enough that there should be. Yeah. It's just a question of, you know, logistics. And, and is it the kind of thing, you know, like, say, uh, a musical or a play where, you know, if someone wanted to produce How Do You Hug a Tiger and do a similar event in Chicago or in San Francisco, does it require the chef to be there? Or is it something where you can provide both the script and the dishes, and tell that story with someone else cooking the food? I think there could be somebody else cooking the food, but there's something uniquely powerful about hearing this chef's story and seeing her cook the food in the kitchen. Yeah. And without giving away too much, there, there is um, the, the chef herself does have a presence in the kind of show of it all. Um, so there is something special about having her there. Ideally... For this format, she would be present. Um, but I think there are ways to expand this concept as well. I mean, I'm thinking about even just a story slash cookbook, you know, kind yeah. of like an illustrated storybook that also has the recipes of each dish. The way it kind of plays out in the format is that we read this chapter together, and then at the culmination of the chapter, the dish is presented uh, that correlates with that chapter. And the dish really... Um, is, it represents what we just read together in many ways in terms of the taste experience, the way it looks, um, what it represents symbolically. 
So I think there are, you know, there are ways we can build on this concept, especially in a kind of story cookbook. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, ideally, we would love to do this in other cities. I think ideally, Jay would would go with us to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I you know, I, I love the I love the format of it, and I hope that if you do have a space with doing things in repertory, I hope that you would do your seder um, during Passover because that actually sound, oh, yeah. sounds like a much more pleasant seder than many many that I have attended, <laughs> uh, as you point out it's about them being one, long and, and boring. It, you know, there's sort of all rules are thrown out the window, but we do maintain, of course, the essence of the story yeah. and the main seder points. In fact, we are gearing up for another one. Uh, beginning of april just a one night only so be on oh, the lookout please, for that yeah as well. please keep me keep me posted we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at heritage radio and uh when we come back i want to talk a little bit more about what it's like to be an actor on broadway The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and really pleased to have Adam Cantor joining me by phone. If you're just tuning in, uh, we've been speaking about Story Course, which is presenting its, uh, I guess, evening of dinner and story and performance called How Do You Hug a Tiger, uh, coming up in February. You can find more information at storycoursenyc.com. There are 11 performances, but according to the website, I'm looking at it right now, four of them are already sold out. So if you want to go, you better get over there pretty soon. Um, So before the break, Adam, we were talking about StoryCourse and sort of the idea of sharing the stories of a cuisine and of a specific chef and of an immigrant experience and how you share that kind of at these events. I'm wondering if you uh, if you have any kind of thoughts on you know how can we take those ideas and put them into into practice on a on a regular basis because I think they're really valuable. I think understanding, especially in the current political climate, about where where immigrants land and the and sort of the immigrant stories in America and how that's influenced our food. Um, and I'm so I'm wondering wondering for your take on that. Absolutely. Well, if you live in New York, definitely check out uh, the Museum of Food and Drink. They have a great exhibit going on right now about Chinese food in America. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, I think one of the greatest things about uh, living in, a, in New York City um, and, you know, many cities across America is the opportunity to eat cuisines from all over the world. And not just to eat them, but to be consciously aware of 
you know, that there's a story behind each of these dishes. And, you know, that somebody's, you're eating the food that somebody, somebody's grandma might have made for them. And, you know, I often wonder when you hear comments from politicians, et cetera, you know, against um, immigration, I wonder what kind of food they had for lunch and, like, if they actually thought about <laughs> where that came from. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think I guess one of the easiest ways is just... <laughs> Is just experiencing the food and and uh, being aware of the stories behind them in some way or, or investigating them. That was that was the goal of Story Course was to investigate stories and to tell them through a, a dining experience. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I'd love to to talk about your Broadway career. Um, you know, sure. It's a uh, so you've been in, you've been in a number of shows, um, and as you said, you're you're waiting backstage. You guys have a matinee uh, today, so I assume Wednesday is a two show day for you. That's correct. In fact, in about five minutes, I got to get into my costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, tell me a little bit about the show that you're in now. So, it actually fits in, in line of what we were talking about. This show is called "The Band's Visit," and it's about uh, an Egyptian police orchestra band that travels to Israel for a uh, concert at the Arab Cultural Center in what they think is Petah Tikva, and they're, they're aiming to get to Petah Tikva. Well, they end up by uh, a set of circumstances in the town, in this little town in the middle of nowhere called Bet HaTikva. So it's a very, uh-huh. you know, it's an easy mistake. And then, the, so they're in the middle of nowhere, and the, the whole show takes place over the course of one night uh, with this little town of Israelis who are taking in this uh, group of Egyptians. Um, and it's based on a film of the same name, uh, we did uh, the show had an off-Broadway run last year, and it it it, uh, it played to great acclaim critically and uh, in terms of the audience, and um, and we reopened on Broadway a couple of months ago, and it's it's been it's been doing great, and we have um, we've got a fantastic cast. Tony Shalhoub is is uh, plays the head of the Egyptian band. And uh, Katrina Lank is the cafe owner in Betatikva, who um, decides that we will take in this town of this uh, group of Egyptians for the night. And I play one of the Israelis in the yeah. town. Cool. So, so as an actor, I mean, I you know what I understand of the Broadway schedule is that normally you're doing eight shows, right? Yes. And so that's a pretty it's a pretty intense schedule. Um, what, yeah. what are your uh, you know what are your eating habits like? I mean, I, I ask all of my guests. I sent you the same questionnaire, and one of those is midnight snack. And you point out that midnight is often dinner time for those of yeah. you who work on Broadway. So you know that yeah. most of us. I mean, I'm I'm usually you know well asleep by the time you're just having dinner. Um, <laughs> so you know, tell tell me about a normal day and sort of like you know what is what is your schedule like and what do you, well, you know, I mean, what do you eat? Funny you ask that because you might have heard I don't know over the intercom uh, a few minutes ago the uh, security guy at the stage door said Adam your food is here so <laughs> you you order I order into the theater today I'm having Thai food I'm having uh, curry <laughs> and you know you often order to the theater I'll sometimes even eat between scenes it's wow. kind of like take it where you can get it yeah I probably should have a more regimented schedule what I'm finding is that. There's, there are so many similarities, actually, between working in a theater and working in a kitchen. It's kind of like that, that level of hustle, um, you know, this sort of, uh, it's, 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 it's intense and it's nonstop. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a level of glamour to it, but, but really I think what people are surprised by is the level of grit as well. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, you go to the fancy parties and you have the opening nights and the good meals. And then you have the moments where you're just like, you know, scarfing down some uh, grub backstage before, you know, between rehearsal and performance. Right. Um, so it's, it's the high-low for sure. <laughs> um, do you have any favorite late-night spots in Midtown? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I mean, right across our theater, uh, right near our theater is, is Restaurant Row, which usually I avoid because it's a lot, a lot of tourist traps. However, I really do like um, Sushi Seki just opened up on 46th right, Street, and they right. have some, some rolls that I really love. Their uh, <laughs> spicy scallop hand roll is fantastic. Uh, so I'll sometimes do a late night at Sushi Seki. Uh, there's also... You know, in terms of like a theater staple, there's Joe Allen, and the food yeah. is good, but the, the ambiance, the history behind it is great. There are posters all over the walls of flops. Like every, <laughs> right, every right, right. Broadway poster on the wall is a show that has completely failed on Broadway, right. which is cheeky and fun. Yep. Um, and then sort of like a little industry secret is just upstairs from Joe Allen is uh, Bar Central. And you have to, anyone can make a reservation, but it's this tiny little bar and uh, you have to reserve it one week in advance. And, and every time you're there, it's kind of like a who's who. You'll yeah. see, you know, stars of different shows and TV shows hanging out. Um, and their food is good, and they have a, good, they have a great bartender. Um, that's a great hangout. And then just across from my theater is Glasshouse Tavern, which is sort of the more casual version of that. It's very industry, insidery after shows. You'll see a lot of actors hanging out. Um, they have this really great, like, uh, ris- truffle risotto ball. Um, so there, there are some good options in, yeah. in the muck of Times Square. Do you, uh, do you ever have time to cook? No, <laughs> very rarely. <laughs> I just bought a slow cooker. Ah, nice. Uh, so I'm trying to, I just did my first, uh, I did the chicken tikka masala on that, which actually turned out okay. Cool. Yeah. So you can put it on, on your way to work and it'll be ready when you get home kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you mentioned in the questionnaire that I asked if you could have dinner with anyone, it would be Salvador Dali. I didn't, I didn't realize at the time that you had actually worked on a, on a, on a, uh, oh, event yeah, piece big, uh, related to him. Fan. Yeah. And in the, uh, preparation of this, of that workshop, I went to the museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I've been to his museum in, in Spain, um, and I actually randomly collaborated on a, a musical about him, uh, like many years ago. Wow. So, you know, I guess in the, the what I was going to ask is in the, in the sort of modern, in the modern food kind of uh, scene, what do you think he would want to eat? <laughs> oh God. It, it, whatever he would say would be way more creative and crazy <laughs> than I could ever come up with for, at this moment. So I have to revere that in him, but I love the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, where is your uh, where is your family from? Like, what is your immigrant family story? Like most New York Jews, it's it's a Eastern Europe hodgepodge. It's, um, it's Lithuania, uh, you know, uh, Poland. Um, in fact, before Fiddler on the Roof, I did like a trip to to research my ancestry through that area, and that was really eye opening. Some good food too. I learned to really love borscht. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I guess that really makes you the you know that that role was really perfect for you as motel and in, uh, in fiddler. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> 
Um, well, so I mean, it, you know, we're we're uh, we're reaching the end of the show here, but I wanted to find out if there if there's anything else that you wanted to to uh, you know make sure that we know. Um, I mean, you know, people should yeah, come. Just that um, I'm I'm really excited about this round of story course, and I'll be after. Uh, after my show on Broadway every night, I'll be running down to catch the end of dinner and have some dessert and say hi to guests. So please come by, say hi to me. I'll be there at the end. And um, I hope I hope you really enjoy. Great. Well, I, uh, I will definitely be picking up a ticket for, uh, for StoryCourse, and I encourage everybody else to do the same. Um, again, you can find that at storycoursenyc.com um, you can follow Adam if you want more information about that or about his uh, his time on Broadway and, and oh and himself. I almost forgot I'm sorry yeah, no go ahead we have a, a discount code for your for your readers uh, for your listeners if that's of interest yeah absolutely it's just uh, eat your story one word eat your story awesome well everybody should definitely make make use of that I was going to mention that people can should follow you uh, on Instagram at Adam J Cantor uh, if they want to see pictures of sort of what you're uh, what you're doing, and uh, do you know what you're going to be acting in next, or is the current run kind of open ended? This run is open ended, and I'll cool. be here for a while because I love this show and I love uh, I love this company. So I'll be here uh, I'll be here for a while. We have the Tony Awards coming up in June, so hopefully we'll get some recognition and, and be able to run a long time. Awesome. Well, I look forward to coming to check out that show as well. Well, thanks so much, Adam, for joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Feast Your Ears today. Big thank you to David Tattashore for engineering this show. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes or Stitcher, if you do, in fact, like it. If you have any questions for me, you can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.